This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We'd like to welcome everyone to tonight's year. I'd like to give a big shakayach to the Wolf family for sponsoring tonight's year. Lili Nishma Savim, Rabbi Asher Zeleg, Rabbi Vigdor, Vashalom, Yatsai, Tzred Dalet Ov. Rabbi Asher Torah relies on the support of the Seabird to bring these Habatzah Satara programs to the community. Great expenses are involved. Aside for the summer programs and for the other Habatzah Torah programs that Egan Shur Torah has throughout the year, Ben Azmanim, Daily Shurim, Sunday Shurim, Worldwide Shivavim Project, Shivas Chalamoyed, and so on. Egan Shur Torah's annual dinner event is coming up in a few short weeks. You see the paperwork throughout the shul. It's the perfect time of the year to and to any of the Rabbanim Bushirim and Joshua you've enjoyed by putting an ad in the journal that's published on the occasion of the dinner. Call Irgin Shir Torah at 718-851-8651 or email tapecenter at yeshivanet.com and have the great schus of our Botsas Torah de Rabbim. Tonight we have the Kavad Avodos once again with Rabbi Zechalia Wallerstein, Manala Nava, with Zivrei Seiris, and don't forget to turn the page to my covenant corner by Wallerstein for tonight's Russia. Thank you very much. Another year. On the table is good. Thank you. Another year. We keep hoping that there won't be another Tisha. Well, there'll always be a Tisha because there'll always be that date. But Bezrat Hashem, it should be a Yantiv. And we still have a couple of days before, before Tisha B'Av. So before I start tonight, I'd like to do a little advertising. There's a new Sefer, a new book that, Baruch Hashem, I've had this chus to write with Rav Shimon Finkelman. Um, I, we wrote it because we feel that in this generation, it's so important at this point, and that is, it's called Honor Them, Revere Them, A Lesson a Day in Kibbutz Abba'im. <coughs> feel that very much in yeshivas, at least when I went to yeshiva and as far as all the yeshivas that I know, we don't teach our children, we don't learn Hilchas Kibbutz Abba'im, actually the halachas of Kibbutz Abba'im. Talk about it, but we don't actually learn the halachas. And I think a lot of people, when the Sefer comes out, in Mitz Hashem, will come out in Elul. Um, it's already all done. Uh, we're just waiting now for our page dedications, but we're already all done. I think that a lot of us are going to be shocked that we really didn't know the halachas of of, of Kibbut Ava'im. So whoever's interested in dedicating a page, um, I'm going to leave this paper on, on, the, on the table. Whoever's listening, whoever's watching, um, you can dedicate a page for Lili Nishmas, for anniversary, for whatever you want to dedicate it. And if you don't have anything on that day, if you dedicate, if you dedicate a page and give it a aim, then that day is a special day. So um, I'm going to leave this so you can look at it afterwards. You just have to send an email to info at Ornava or call. It's very simple. Ornava's number is O H R N A A V or nine one seven four 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 seven five 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 extension two hundred. So this is a very important book, and we intend to get it into every into every. We're just discussing should it be in eighth grade. Or should it be a ninth grade? Safer to learn. And Hilchas Kibbutz Avim is definitely going to make it a lot easier for all the parents, we hope. Also on Tisha B'av, we have a special Tisha B'av schedule. I'm going to leave a, an example of this. I speak Tisha B'av night in Arnava at 10.30. And then it's televised across the world. The next day from 11 to 12, I speak. After that, from 12 to 1 is Jackie B. Tone. From 1.15 to 2 is Rabbi Freeman. From 2.15 to 3 is Charlie Harari. Chavetz Chaim after that, the Chavetz Chaim um, Foundation, then Rev. Label Lamb, then the Chavetz Chaim Foundation again, then Rev. W. Goldwasser. So whoever, you can't come to Ornava, I'm sorry guys, you're not invited, but online you can actually listen to it or, or watch it. So I, I pulled out one lesson, pretty randomly, from the Sefer today, that I would like to read to you from this lesson. So it's Lesson 62. Honor and Mechila. Yeridea quotes, One is obligated to rise for his father. A father or mother may be Michael 
the honor due to them. Of course, one will also rise for his mother. This is brought down in the same halachas. The consensus among commentators is that one must rise to his full height. Not if your parent walks into the room, you just get up a little bit, like to show honor, but you have to actually get up and stand up straight. According to the Beis Yosef, whose psaac is always followed by the Sephardic Jewry, one must rise every time a parent enters the room. However, Ashkenazic Jewry follows the opinion of the Ramah, that one must, one must rise once in the morning and once in the evening. I'm not going to ask the people here of how many of you get up when your parent walks into the room. But it seems to have been lost in the Ashkenazic community. It's interesting, the Morgan Avram, it's not on this page, the Morgan Avram says that Friday night, to be fair to Morgan Avram, that Friday night, before Kiddush, you should go and kiss your mother's hands. You should kiss your mother's hands. I don't think that's our minig really either that we do, but we're supposed to do that. And, he, and the reason he, that you're supposed to do it, because the mother who works so hard with the kids a whole week is sitting there, and the father gets to bench them. He wasn't home a whole week. He shows up. He's benching them. He's kissing them on their head. They're kissing him. And she's sitting there, she did all the work and garnished. So Mugger Rum says that every person, daughter and son, has to go to his mother Friday night before Kiddush and kiss her hand. This is stuff that we, I, I feel that we don't know because it's just not done by most people. It is a common custom for parents to be meichel regarding their children's obligation to rise in their honor. In the Chol Shani, Rav Nissen Karelitz writes, that to rise for appearance is an important aspect of kibbutz of aim and should not be totally ignored. At the same time, he states that parents should not demand this of their children. Instead, they should learn with their children the halachas of kibbutz of aim, so the children will realize on their own what they should be doing. He also suggests that yeshivas teach this halacha to their students from the age when they start learning Gemara, approximately 10 years old. But Shmuel Kamenevsky read through our whole sefer. We have Baruch Hashem Haskama from him and other Gedalim. And he responded to this page as follows. When Shmuel Kamenevsky was asked regarding the halacha, he responded, It is definitely a beautiful hanhaga for children to stand up for their parents when they enter a room. However, since the accepted practice is for parents to be moichel, it is very difficult to recommend that parents be mechanech, their children, to do so, as the children will not be able to fully appreciate the motivation behind this chinek and may misunderstand it as a reflection, some selfish desire that the father wants you or mother wants you to get up when they walk in. My father's atzal, Rav Yaakov, was not mechanech us to stand up for him, and his children did not stand up for him when he entered the room, and we were not mechanech our children to do that either. That said... Roshmuel Kamenevsky says, if a child wants to fulfill this halacha, bracha. It is a beautiful thing. I do feel it would be a worthwhile for Rabbeim and Mechachim to teach their Talmidim about the halacha of standing up for parents. This can have a positive impact on the children and can be conveyed without the concerns we have mentioned. Rabbi Yosef Viner related, one of my daughters expressed a desire to stand up for me when I entered the room. I told her that common custom is to be Michael but she will get a mitzvah if she does it. I added that a benefit of standing up for one's parents on a daily basis is that it automatically makes the child more focused on kibbutz of aim. My daughter was respectful and helpful before she began rising in our honor, but I have seen that since she began this practice, her kibbutz of aim has gotten even better. I deal with a lot of children that are struggling with kibbutz of aim in a very big way. I can't imagine that they would be struggling. Is that my phone? That's like an alert. Could be it's my phone. Right. No, my phone is not. My phone's my phone's not making noise because it's quiet. But it's an amber alert. Okay, amber alert. Well, I've seen speaking. They're giving an amber alert, which I do. So, Lemaisa, Lemaisa, I can tell you as a, as a mechanic for close to 42 years that if your children get up for you and you walk into a room... They're definitely going to have better kibbutz of aim. I'm dealing. I dealt this past few days. I don't want to say exactly what day because the person might be listening. I I have never in my life ever witnessed chutzpah of a girl to her parents in the way that I witnessed. I never saw anything like it. And I've seen a lot. It is so out of control. I I told I told her you're a terrorist. You're, you're a terrorist. You're like if you don't give me what I want, I'm I'm I'm, I'm walking out. I'm I'm leaving. I'm I'm a, little, a young kid. And, and I, I believe that if your children, 
from when they're very young, when Tati and Mommy walk into a room, they stand up. Like, this is my mother, this is my father. I don't think we're going to get to that point. But anyway, there are, uh, there are 360 lessons in there, and I think that we are, it's going to, Mir Hashem, be a game changer for Klyestra. Mir Hashem. Okay, so, so the subject tonight is turn the page. So let me explain to you what this is all about. In, in this generation, in every generation, one of the biggest struggles that people have, they don't talk about it, they don't say it because it's sort of a lack of amuna. it's Tzadik Viraloi. Girls come to me all the time, they're older, they're in their 40s, they're in their late 30s. Like Rabbi Wallstein, I don't, I don't understand Hashem's ways. I'm a tsnua. I don't talk to boys. I went to Amuka. I said Shir Hashirim 40 times, 40 times. I went to the Kaisal 40 days in a row. I went to every Gadol in Eretz Yisrael. I went to every Rebetzin. And I'm 40 and I'm not married. And my friend, when I was younger, who talked to boys, who was not a Tznua, her children are married. She has children and they're married. I don't understand what Hashem wants from me. Many times, and we're, we're going to see this in the Torah, Tzadik Muraloi, Moshe Beno had a problem with it. David Melech had a problem with it. Kosh Baruch said, for you to understand Gilgul and Tikkunim and everything else, I have to start from the beginning of the world, as we know, with the Rugei Machus, I have to take apart the whole suit and then show you the whole suit, and I'm not going to destroy the world to answer your question. But it is a question that we have, that we get stuck on our, in our trauma, in our pain, in the things that we're going through, and we really don't think we deserve it. And we really don't think we deserve it, and we did everything we're supposed to, and we follow the letter of the law, and I don't know what's going on over here. Parents that are the most beautiful parents that give the best chinuch to the kids and their kids are off the derech. Parents who don't get along with each other who are totally dysfunctional. The father's never coming home and, and, and the kids are gadol hadar. How, how does this happen? So inside, some of us have this question. And most of us don't ask it because how could you ask a question on a Kodesh Baruch? We need to understand that it doesn't work that way. So I want to start tonight with Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu found Hashem on his own. Hashem didn't come to him in a dream. Hashem didn't come to him in a bush. He was logical. He saw his father selling Avodah Zarah. He saw that Avodah Zarah had no life. The Avodah Zarah could do nothing. He went outside. He said, the sun, you can't look at the sun, it must be God. But the sun went down at night. So it must be the moon. And he went through Chagadja. And it must be the water, but the water, the fire, but the water put out the fire and the cow drank the water. Imamash went through a whole Chagadja and he came to a conclusion that all these things, the whole Chagadja, is created by one HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore he was called an Ivri. He was against the whole world. Nimrod and the world against Avram Avinu. And the one thing that Avram Avinu was preaching, no human sacrifice. That was Moilech. That was Avaydazara. Don't bring your children as a carbon. That's what he stood for. Hashem comes to him and tells him, I know what you stand for, but I'm telling you now to bring your child as a sacrifice. The whole world said, like, you're a hypocrite. Until now, the Medrash says, until now, you're preaching. Never bring your children for Only bring korbanos, bring animals. And you yourself are taking your child. And the satan in the Medrash says, the satan came and told Abraham Avinu, you, you, the whole world is going to be talking about you, that you, you, you spoke your whole life one way, and you're not listening to your own thing. For sure Hashem didn't tell you to kill your child. It can't be. You're, you're following Hashem that you shouldn't kill your child. But he listened to what Hashem told him. And this is the biggest test of all his ten tests. Don't you touch him. Don't you even give him a scratch. Why? Because you passed your, you passed your Nisayan. You passed your test. I know now that you fear me. There's no reason to kill him. That's not what this was about. You're right. You don't bring human sacrifice. You're right. I don't want a human sacrifice. It was a test. 
Nayudik, everybody. He passed his test. He didn't put his phone on by davening. He it was his test. He passed his test. So, time for reward. Now, it's called Akedas Yitzchak. Not called Akedas Avraham. It's not called Shechita Shal Yitzchak. No, it's called Akedas Yitzchak. Why? Because bigger than what Avraham did, so Avraham was told by Hashem to kill his child. But Yitzchak wasn't told to die for Hashem. So it was a nevuah on Avram. Yitzchak could have said, listen, that's your nevuah. But Hashem didn't tell me to die. I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't have a nevuah that I should give up my life. No. Yitzchak said the opposite. Yitzchak said, not only put me on the Mizbeach, but tie me down, because if I move and there's a mum, then you will never get a chance to pass this test. Because I'm the child that Hashem wants. And if there's a mum... Then we ruined, we messed up the whole akeda and we're done. You won't be able to do anything. So so tie me down. So the akeda of Yitzhak is what we say on Yom Kippur. The akeda, it's called the akeda of Yitzhak, was much bigger than Abraham. Abraham, Hashem came to him. Okay, so Hashem told him what to do. No, Hashem didn't come to Yitzhak and say, give up your life. Not only did he give up his life, but he said, tie me down. So Abraham passed. He leaves the mountain. He comes home, and Sarah Imenu died. That's his reward. He's coming home now. He passed his test. Hashem said, no more tests. He's going to go home with his wife and live out the rest of his life happily. No. Your reward is that your wife saw the Akedah or heard about the Akedah, and because of that, because of your Nisayim, because of what you passed, your wife died. Not only that, says Lisboy Lusaro Ulib with a small chaf, because he knew that everyone's gonna say, Oh, he's gonna do chuba. You can do chuba on a mitzvah, people don't know that. You can do chuba on a very you do an very you feel bad for it, the very goes away. Let's say you let's say you you decide you're gonna go to Shul. Today I'm going for minion, I usually don't go for minion, I'm going for minion, and you get a speeding ticket. And you're like, you know, I wish I never went to minion, you don't get the credit for minion. You can do chuva on a mitzvah. You can give a guy tzedakah, and then there's something about him you don't like, and you're like, I wish I didn't give him anything, then you didn't give him anything. The same power of tshuva on a mitzvah, there's tshuva, there's tshuva on a veyra, there's tshuva on a mitzvah. He wanted to show the world that he's not doing tshuva on the mitzvah. So if he would have stood there and cried like crazy, he would have said, ah, you have remorse that you, that you did, I can't see. Like, look, you killed your wife. So Levchaisa, he specifically cried very little. I have no remorse whatsoever. And Avram was talking about Yama Hashem Be'er Zavram Bakal. Let's look at Yitzchak. What was Yitzchak's reward for Akedas Yitzchak? So he's tied down. The Malachim cry, the Medrash says. The tears of the Malachim go into Yitzchak's eyes. He becomes blind. That's how you're rewarding Yitzchak for going willingly, even though Hashem, you didn't ask him, and he asked to be tied down. So he's tied down, he can't move, and therefore he comes off the Mizbeach blind. He should have gotten wings of an angel. He comes off blind. You can't get stuck there. You have to turn the page. You turn the page, a couple of pashas later, you realize that Yitzhak had to be blind. Whether it was from the tears or whether it was from the smoke of Avodah Zarah, he had to be blind because had he not been blind, there's no way that Yaakov could have stole the Bechayra because no matter what he got dressed or what he did, he would have seen that he was Yaakov. So Yitzchak had to be blind in order for us, Klai Yisrael, and Yaakov Avinu to get the bracha. But you have to turn the page. If you get stuck on that he's blind, you're like, Zutayu, Zitzchayra? I don't understand what's going on over here. But it's much deeper. I think I once said this. I don't know if I said it here or if I said it in Rabbi Reisman's shul. It's an amazing chidah with the Rav Chaim Vital. And he says the following. He says that Yitzchak was born, Yitzchak was born with a neshama, the nukva. He had a female neshama. What that means is a female neshama is a female, Nekeva is Din. He had a Neshama of Din. And if the husband and the wife both have a Neshama 
the nukva or neshama de zuchra, a male or both of them have the same, you cannot have children. Then there's no neshama that can come down, you cannot have children. Yitzhak was born with a neshama de nukva. The satan came and told Yitzchak, it must be that your father heard wrong. Because Hashem said that from you is going to come his nation. And if you're going to be shechted, there's no nation coming from you. But it was the opposite. Says the Chida and Rav Chaim Vital, that when Aram Avinu took the knife, he actually shechted one of the simonim of Yitzchak. Pacha Nishama, his Nishama, the Chidor says, left his body. Where did it go? So the Nishama, the Nukva, went into Rifka. Rifka was born at the time of the Akeda, three years later is when she met him. She got that, no, listen to this, she got that Nishama. The Nishama that Yitzchak had the Nukva, was a Gilgal of, of, of Chava, was shared with Sari Imenu, and he was taken, it's beautiful, beautiful Dvatari, because he was taken, he had one simon cut, and he was dying, the Malachim came and took him to Ganeiden. And in Ganeiden he healed, and the Chidah says that the minute he, do, he went to Ganeiden, Sari Imenu, whose nefesh was sure with his nefesh, also had to go to Ganadin, and she was talking Ganadin with him. She couldn't be in this world without him, because they were sort of the same Tikkun, same Gilgal. I'm not going to get into the whole Sefer Gugulim. So what happened? Listen to this. Later on, Yitzchak says, when he smells the Beged of Yaakov, Esau's Beged, the, the Kosnas are, he says, Rashi says, that he says, it smells from Ganadin. How did he know what Ganeidin smelled like? Yitzchak said, this jacket that you're wearing smells from Ganeidin because that kosnas always made in Ganeidin. So, how did he know? The Chidot says, how did he know? How do you know what Ganeidin smells like? It's the riot that he was in Ganeidin. Okay. But here's the point. Had he not gone to the Akedah, everybody, had he not been shechted, had not his neshama, the nukva left him, and the neshama, the zuchra came in, he could have never had children. He would have been married to Rifko, to whoever he would be married to, and he would never be he would be barren because they would both have neshamas de nukva. The only way that Yitzchak could have children is if he went through an akeda where he actually got half shechted. The satan knew that that if he would if he if he would go to the akeda he would be able to have children. So he was telling him the opposite. How you gonna how are you gonna have children? You, you the Navua is wrong. It's gotta be hundred percent wrong. The Sutta knew that if he went, the tactic like this, it wouldn't happen. But if he went, he's gonna have children, so he tried to stop him from going. So what looks on the page as I don't understand why did you make Avram Avinu go through this? Avram Avinu had to go through this with Yitzchak. Because had he not gone through this with Yitzchak, Yitzchak would have never had children and there would have never been a Klaistral. You have to be able. If somebody asked me today, what's a Muna? There's so many Svarim on a Muna. What's a Muna? What's Bitochen? You know the famous story with a Muna and Bitochen. It's a very famous story. What's it between a Muna and Bitochen? So there was this, this, this guy in a, this guy used to walk on a high wire in the circus. You know, they have that wire that walks across, and the guy walks across the high wire. And I remember when I was a kid, they used to have a net underneath. And he would have a unicycle on the wire and all kinds of tricks on the wire. And then they took the net away to make it more exciting. So Taka guy fell, but, he, but we didn't realize. When he fell, he grabbed onto the wire. So there was never a danger of really falling. Because as they fall, they hold onto the wire and they get back onto the wire. But anyway, it was very exciting. So, so one day, his friend came over to him and says, you know, we just got an offer, the circus just got an offer, that if you would do a high wire across the... Um, out there in in, um, in Arizona, across the Grand Canyon, they're going to give you a million dollars to walk across the Grand Canyon on a high wire. I said, are you crazy? I'm going to walk a high wire across the Grand Canyon. You know what happens if I fall? I mean, hello? It's miles. He said, it's a million dollars. You're the man. You're the best. You're the best in the world. You're Ringling Brothers. 
You do it with your eyes closed. You do it on one foot. You hop. You're the man. You got to do it. He said, you sure? He said, yeah, 100%. Let's go. His best friend. So they come to the Grand Canyon. They got the wire across. That's a Muna. Muna is like believing. He says, you really believe I could do this? He says, you are the man. There is no one in the world. Of course you can do this. You get to the other side, you're going to get a million dollars. He says, you sure you're my best friend? You love me, right? Yes. You sure I'm not going to fall? A hundred percent you're not going to fall. You promise? I promise. Emuno. He said, really? Okay. Good. If you really believe I'm not going to fall, get on my shoulders. He said, no, no, no. That I'm not going to do. That's bitachon. That's the difference between Emuno and bitachon. But really, what is it? You know what? From all the swam that I'm learning, I just learned uh, from the from the from the Beis Halevi. He wrote a whole thing on Amuna. Amuna is surrender, total surrender to Hashem. I believe in you, and whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen. It's sort of like having a sailboat, putting up your sail, and if the wind comes from the east, you're going east, and if the wind comes from the west, you're going west. And you're like, wherever the wind blows, that's where I'm going. Total imuna is total disconnection from yourself. Just, just, just surrender. No doctors, no medicine, no business. Of course, you have to do all that stuff. But understanding that this is all fake. In fact, there's some that say that medicine doesn't really work. Hashem wanted to put something in the world to, so you, should, you shouldn't see him. Total, total surrender. Avram Avinu, total surrender. You tell me that, you, that, that you're not allowed to do sacrifice, then you tell, whatever you tell me, Hashem. When you have total surrender, you have the ability, no matter what trauma and pain you're in, to turn the page. As long as you think that it has something to do with you, you get stuck on that page. Okay, that's, that's Avram Avinu. I think even bigger, I'm not, I'm not really here to say what's bigger. Let's go to Yosef HaTzadik, who I always talk about. Also Chidah. I like Chidah. Yosef HaTzadik, we don't even understand. We, we don't even understand the relationship between Yaakov and Yosef, and that Yosef is the Aish that's going to burn Esau, the Kash, who he was, the Chidot says that he was, he is the foundation of Kedusha in the world. It was Yosef. Shema Habris. This was Yosef HaTzadik. His brothers take him and take his clothing off and throw him into a pit and it's brought down that the most painful bite in the world is a scorpion. They don't let go. And the poison is fire. And they throw into a pit of scorpions without any clothing and snakes. And nothing happens. Tzadik! Right? Lo anachash meimis. No chate. But instead of saying tzadik, they take him out and they sell him to the most immoral place in the world, by far, with the most, the 49th level of Tomah. Immorality. And avoid the Zara. They sell this boy, this 17-year-old boy, this Kaddish Kedoshim Shama. And Potiphar buys him in the slave trade, in the slave market. He buys him, says Rashi, Lemishkav Zohar, for himself, to be his boy. Do you understand? you understand what's going on here? You're selling your brother. He's in Mitzrayim. But he's not an Avad working in the field. He's bought because he's a pretty looking boy. Yefas Mara. And who buys him? The lowest of the low? The Mishkav Zohar. Asaris? The Mishkav Zohar. But Botifa doesn't act on it. Vayi Hashem es Yosef. Vayi Ishmat Sliach. Vayara Doinov. And this low life. Botifa saw ki Hashem Ito. That God is with him. Hands off. 
Why did that? Why did he know that that he was? How do you know about Hashem? So the Medrash says that wherever he went, whatever he did, he said, "Imetz Hashem, Baruch Hashem." Who's this Hashem? Who's this Hashem? So even his low life master knew that. Ki Hashem itoy. So Kirsh Hashem, Kirsh Hashem. Okay, he's, he, this guy's not bothering him. Shows up the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. The Chidot says she was mamish created by the Satan, the most beautiful woman in the whole world. It was the whole thing that Nachash with Chav. It's a whole story over here. But anyway, the bottom line is, if he could get Yosef to sin with Eishes Potiphar, the world will be destroyed. The Chidot says because once the the foundation of the world, the Kedusha and the Tahara, which is Yosef, would sin, would crack the world in half. The world, the world, the world, finished. The Satan did everything he could that Yosef should fall into the hands of the Asian Potiphar in this world, and as he says, and in the next world. But he could do Yosef. Yoim, yoim. Imagine every single day in a Sayan, every single day, being seduced by this woman. And he didn't listen to her. Lishkav etzel liyos ima to be with her in this world and in the next world. Ein ish b'mayas. It's set up. The situation is set up to fall. But Yahweh habayis elatzus molachto. If ein ish me'anche habayis shem habayis, there's nobody there. But tifsheu bevigdai, she grabs onto his clothing. Shichre imi, she says. Vayazer bigdi b'yada vayonos vayetze hachutza. He left his chitzanius in her hands, and he ran for his life. You have to sit and think about this a little bit. It's not something we can do so fast. You have to think about the whole setup. Sold, Mitzrayim, Potiphar, his wife, nobody will ever know. She made it okay. There's a whole medrash on that. She said, you can see in the stars that big tzaddikim are going to come from us. That was a Ephraim and Menashe. She said, I'm not married. I'm not an Ashish ish because... Because of what Rashi says, that he was Mishkav Zachar, so he didn't consummate the marriage according to Goyim, according to us with Goyim, so she wasn't a married woman, and she said, as far as being a Jew, you see that the big tzaddikim are coming from us, what Hashem wants. She mamish came up with everything, and he ran away. So in my picture of this story, if I was telling this to my girls in seminary, I would say, and so what happened, Robert Wallerstein? Every single day, Yetzahara, he beat it every single day, and he ran away, so how did Hashem reward him? An eagle came, he got on the eagle, it flew to Eretz Yisrael, dropped him off by Yaakov, and they lived happily ever after. That's the way it should end, but that's not how it ended. What was his reward for fighting off this woman and passing, and passing his Nisayan? Dungeon! Mitzrim's dungeon! The lowest, worst place in Mitzrayim. You could get stuck on this page. That's how you reward someone who fought off everything, who had every reason to go off the derech, every reason after what his brothers did to him. And instead, he wins this fight and you punish him, Hashem? You put him in a dungeon? If you get stuck at that page, it looks like Hashem is very unfair. But go a little bit further. Yosef came to them, different shear about asking why. He saw them, and he saw that they were brewing, they were depressed, something was bothering them. But Yishal, he asked them, Why do you look so depressed today? I asked my girls in seminary, I said, what does it take to save the world? President of the United States, Galo Hadar, Shas, Rabbeinu Tom's tefillin, what does it take to save the world? Gotta be a gadol. What saved the world? Yosef Atzadik asked two low-life Egyptian, meaningless people who had nothing to do with him when he was suffering, why do you look depressed? Once he asked them the question, they told him about the dreams, then they found, then the Saramashkim knew that he could, and, and, the whole saving of the world was because he asked two Goyim? Why do you look so depressed? We don't understand, we don't realize how we're being watched in this world and how much we can do. 
A woman told me today after my shir today that she knows for a fact, it's a true story with her neighbor, that the mailman once came to her neighbor and said, do you have a sister by this and this last name that lives six blocks from here on Avenue J? And she said to the mailman, how do you know that's my sister? He said, you two are the only ones that ever ask me if you can bring me a coffee or a drink when I'm at the door. You must be brought up by the same people. You must be sisters. We don't realize you see someone in shul and his head is down or he looks like there's something wrong. Even if he's not going to tell you what's wrong, just to be asked what's bothering you makes a person feel that they belong. And he may tell you, I need a job. Who knows what he's going to tell you? I don't know what he's going to tell you. And I, I spoke about it this morning, that this is something we need to do. It's called Ahavas Chinam. It's asking for no reason. I don't want anything from you. It's caring about other people. I want to ask questions to everyone in the shul. Show me a raise of hands. When someone comes to your shul, and they bang on the table, and it happens by Rabbi Frankel every morning when I'm there. And he's like, I'm here for tzedakah. I have a son with cancer. I have a wife with cancer. How many people in this room asked that person, after you gave them the dollar, could you give me their name? I want to dab them for them. Raise your hands. Why not? You think the dollar is going to make the difference? How come you didn't ask him for the name of the kid that he's collecting for? Why do you look depressed? A person comes to shul and he's crying and he's putting his hand out and you're giving him a dollar. How come, how, how come you didn't take down his name? The guy in shul that's, that, that, that has a daughter that you know is 29, 30, 32. He's got three kids in Shaduchim. How come you didn't walk over to him and say, by the way, you know, um, I say to heal him after davening. Everybody says to heal him after davening. Give me your kids' names. Really? You're going to down that my daughter? She's fine the shit of even if they don't find the shidduch right away, somebody cares. Uh, I'm not giving musa to you guys. I'm I the same problem. I don't have a list. I'm telling you by Frankel every morning, there are three or four people that bang on the, on the bima, and everybody has a different problem, and we just give them dollars or quarters or 50 cents. We we'll never ask them, by the way, you, you said you have a sick child. You have three sick children. There's a guy that collects, for, see, has five kids that have cystic fibrosis. He comes, right? I never asked him for his five kids' names. I've asked them, what's your five kids' names? I could dive for them. You want to save the world? You want to change the world? You want Avas Chinam, the opposite of Sinas Chinam? Ask for a name. I was with a bunch of therapists two years ago, and I told them the same thing. I said, I understand after 45 minutes you kicked the kid out. That's it, time's up. And the kid's in the middle of a... a, a but I'm about up, Frank. Out. Okay, it's a, whatever it is, it is. I said, how, I said to them all, same thing like in this room, I said, how many of you have the kids that you're seeing, and you're seeing them because they have a problem, you're taking the money because they have a problem, how many of you know their, their names and their mother's names? How many of you go home at night, after you got your money, after everything, and you sit down and you say, okay, I'm seeing these seven kids, I'm going to say capital tale for them. No madua. No madua. I want to tell you what just happened on my ranch. So I have a ranch. It's a uh, it's a place for mental health to help girls with mental health problems, girls that don't eat, anorexic girls, depressed girls, anxious girls, girls who cut, girls who try to commit suicide. So we have this ranch, very very special place, very very special place. We do equine therapy. We have horses. Whatever. It's an amazing place. We have Goyim working on the ranch because I'm not cleaning the manure in the barn. And most Jewish girls are not doing that, and most Jewish guys are not doing that. So we have this real guy named Chris. You know what Chris does? Chris was 45 years in ShopRite up in Monticello, and then he retired, and he decided that he wants to be on a farm. So he comes in every day, and he cleans the manure out of the paddocks of the horses, cleans them, brushes them, feeds them, takes them in, takes them out. Not a job that any one of us would do. And I have girls on this on this ranch. I have a Hasidish girl that was on this ranch from England. When she came, 
she wouldn't talk to me three words. No communication skills whatsoever. She was there for five months. This Friday, I went to the ranch. I'm in the mountains. And Chris works every day except Sunday. He's a, he's a real guy. Redneck, up in the hill, in the Catskills, the real thing. With the pickup truck, the got some ice, and the boots, and the whole thing. He comes over to me. He says, Rabbi Wallerstein, you remember Jenny? Called her Jenny. I said, sure, I remember Jenny. He said, you know, she, when she left two weeks ago, she wrote me a letter. I was like, she wrote you, like she didn't even talk to God. Like, she wrote you a letter? He goes, yeah. I figured on his phone. He says, could, could I give you, could I give you the letter? I'm like, sure. I'll walk you to your pickup truck. Listen to me, everyone. I go to his pickup truck. He has a box. He made a hundred copies of this letter. Nobody in their lives ever wrote this guy a letter or thanked him for anything. He's giving this letter out to everyone he meets. You want to hear a girl wrote me a letter? What a crazy Kiddush Hashem. You have no idea. He was crying to me. He was standing there, and I read it, and as I was reading it, this is a, a, a 60-year-old Azoi, you know, tough, cowboy, mountain guy. The guy was crying like a baby. I want you to read a letter from a girl that had mental illness, that was challenged, and had a karasatov to a guy that cleaned her horse. To Chris. As I leave, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for all you do at the ranch. Thank you for the times I know about and the times I don't know about for what you do. I really, she underlined, enjoyed your company while tending to Lacey. Lacey is the name of the horse. Thank you so much for cleaning all the stalls and caring for the horses, especially those treats. He, he gives them like cookies, whatever. Really, you did it with a smile not just doing your job. I learned, she's trying to a guy. I learned a lot of positivity, perseverance, and commitment from you, really. May God give you continued strength to help so many others, horses, ducks, and humans. And may you have lots and lots of joy, love, which I can't believe she wrote, love, Jenny. This man's life is changed forever. He's running around in a pickup truck with a hundred copies of this letter. We don't understand what it means to ask someone madua or to thank somebody. It's called avas chinam. It's for no reason. She wrote this letter. He's not. She left. She went back to England. He's not going to do anything for her. She wrote this letter because she saw someone. I took care of her horse. The people, our parents, our friends, our family, the people in shul, the rav. How many times do people walk over to the rav and say, I just want to thank you. I know it's very hard to be a rav. You can't make everyone happy. And people walk out when you give your share. And people talk and it annoys you. But it doesn't matter. You're still our rav. And you're still there for us. And you still care about us. You think a rub doesn't need it? You think a person doesn't need a compliment and a thank you? Yeah, it's avas, it's avas chinam. There's no reason for it. The same thing as sinas chinam. Why do you hate someone? For no reason. They have something you don't have. You're not supposed to have what they have. Why do you hate them? Or they're, 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 sometimes people say, like, I don't like him. I'm like, why don't you like him? I don't know. It's just, he makes me nauseous. He makes me nauseous. Every time I look at him, he makes me nauseous. Why? Did he hurt you? Did he steal from you? Did he do something to you? Did he, did he take your driveway? Did he block your driveway? Now I understand why you hate him, but no! just don't like him. He just, he echoes me. I love that word. He just echoes me. That's why we don't, we don't have a base of Migdash, everybody. Because people echo you for no reason. Me, I'm, talking, I'm not talking to you. You listening in to me talk to myself. People echo you. Why? I don't like, just don't like him. Usually because he's like you. That's why you don't like him. Usually the reason psych- psychologically you don't like someone because they remind you of yourself. <laughs> but listen to what happens. So he's lost. He's in, a, he's in a dungeon. 
But a bunch of lowlifes can imagine their lowlifes, and if they ended up in the dungeon, how lowlife they are. And he's in this dungeon, and he's asking these two Arabs, he's got his own problems, he's lost, his brothers will never find him, right? They accused him of terrible Avera, so he's in big trouble, he's stuck, he's not getting out, but Tifa's wife, you're accosted, forget it, you're, you're done. And what happens? He says, you know what? Because Baruch, I believe in you, maybe this Sahamashkin who's going to make it out, he'll mention my name, my brothers will come looking for me, they'll hear there's a Jew in jail, and maybe as I had a long way around, they're going to get me. We have a Balkaira, Moshe Metzka, sitting here. What's the last word, Moshe, in Pasha Vayeshev? Vayishkechehu. Vayishkechehu. He passed the test every single day. He did what Hashem wanted him to do. He had no tightness on his brothers, as you see later on. He said, I have no tightness on you. It's all from Hashem. And he's forgotten? Yashabatzadik is forgotten? Yeah. Shamashkin forgot him. And if you stop at this passage at the end of Pasha Yeshev, it's very, very painful because so many of us so many times feel in this world by Yishkochehu. Hashem, you forgot me. What's going on in my life? I feel forgotten. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to and it's not working. I feel forgotten by my family. I feel forgotten by God. I feel forgotten. I feel alone. Last word in Pastor Yeshev. But if you turn the page, just one turn of the page in this Chumash, the next Pasuk after Vayishkocheyu is Vayihi Mikesh Nosayim Yamim Uparoi Chalim. And turn the page again. And this Yosef, who was forgotten in the worst place in the world, Vayomer Paro Yosef, Vayosa Paro's Tabata, Vayitin Oisal Yad Yosef, Vayilbosh, and what does he say to him? He says, Ata Obesi, you are second to the king, and the only difference between me and you is the kise is the throne. From the lowest place in the world, from being forgotten, to the second to the king of Egypt, the, the, of the king of the world, and he saves the whole world. You just have to hold on until the page turns. We don't have time. There's a few more like this. But there's maybe I'll have time to come back to Moshe Abenu. But I want to go somewhere amazing. I want to go to Rus. It's interesting, Shvurs before Tishabov. But let's go to Rus for a minute. Amazing, amazing. This really when I taught this in school, maybe even hit more because they're girls, maybe it hit more even than Yasef Atzadik. Let's start off with Gilas Rus. First three psukim. He may shave him, but he rub barats. The page is not good. Klaishol starving. Elimelech, Naami, Machlan and Kilion. Vayamas Elimelech, third Pasuk. Elimelech dies. And she's left with her two kids. Vayamusu Gam Shnehem. And they die. Machlan and Kilion. The beginning of Rus is tragedy. Tragedy. Naomi loses her husband, her sons, her money. She loses everything. She's in a very bad place. Okay? She comes back. She has nothing. Right? She comes back. What does she say? Atikrali Naomi, Karlini Mara. Call me Mara. Kihema Shakai I'm really suffering. Hashem really made it bitter for me. I, I, I left full children, boys, future, grandchildren. I'm going to have grandchildren, a husband, money. And I came back with nothing. Don't call me Naomi. I deserve it for letting my husband go where he went. Whatever, call me Mara. So at this point, she had kares. She had no children. Her two boys were dead. There'd be no grandchildren. She told Rus herself that I'm too old. I can't have any more children. So that's it. Life is over. She's not going anywhere. Nothing's not happening. 
that's the first five, six psukim of Rus. The last pasuk of Rus, what's the last four words? Tragic. No food, no money, no sons, no husband, nothing. And then you finish Rus, you have David HaMelech Mashiach. It's amazing, turning the page, what happens? But a girl in my seminary got up and said, no, 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 Rabbi Watson, you can't mix the two. Rus had the baby, not Naomi. So you're right. Naomi had a very bad start, but she also had a bad ending. Rus had a bad a bad start. She had a good ending. Why Why are you giving this Yishai Hailid as David, you're giving that to Naomi? That's because you have to look at the Psukim. The Torah is telling you something. What do the Psukim say? Vatikach Naomi is Hayeled. Vatihiloi loy menes. She was his nurse. Vatikreno loy hashcheno shem lemor. Yulad ben Naomi. A son was born to Naomi, not to Rus. Now everybody listen to this. Had Rus's husband had a child before he died, there'd be no Yibum. And if there was no Yibum, there'd be no Boaz. If there's no Boaz, there's no Yishai Haylid as David. So what looked on the first page as such tragedy that she lost both her sons, she's not going to have any more grandchildren. The only reason that there was Yibum was because she lost both her sons. And her child, Rus's child, ended up being named after Naomi. You just have to turn the page. And this is in our lives. This is not just in the Torah, because the Torah is our lives. We don't always get to see the end of the story. But if you surrender to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, you understand that it's a safer Zichreinus on Rosh Hashanah. The Yad Kolboi, and the pages turn. It's a safer of Zichreinus. There are pages in the safer that is written on Rosh Hashanah. And just because you're stuck on a page and something's going wrong, there's another page and another page. In Eicha, we shouldn't have to read Eicha. We should have a Yantiv. But just in case. Eicha, it begins, Yashva Badar Hi'ir. Oh, Yerushalayim sits alone. Ka'almana, like a widow. Widow is the most painful relationship. It doesn't say like an orphan. It doesn't say like a woman who's divorced. It says like an almana. Because an almana, a husband and a wife, shouldn't happen, but if a husband and a wife, if one of them dies, so there's shleishim. If someone loses a child, there's shleishim. If someone loses a parent, there's a year. Why? Why isn't there a year for all of them? Or shleishim for all of them? So Chazal says that if someone loses a child, they don't need to be reminded over the year that they lost a child. It's something that never goes away. A person who loses a spouse goes to bed every night in a room that's empty. They look across, the bed's empty. They don't need to say Kaddish for a year to realize that they lost their spouse. They see it every single night. When a person loses a parent... They don't see them all the time. If we don't remind them every day that they lost a parent, they go back to work, they forget about that they had a parent. So Chazal said, for, for a year, you're going you're to remember, you're going to say Kaddish. You're going to remember you have a parent. Someone who loses a child, or somebody who loses a spouse, we don't have to remind you. So the reason it's brought down that Echa is Ka'amana is because Klai should feel every single day that the bed next to them is empty. And that we don't have Yerushalayim, and we don't have Mashiach, and we don't have the Beis Hamikdash, and we don't have the Shechina, and therefore, that's the expression that's used—not a Yasam, not a divorcee, but an Almana. And that's how Eicha begins. You're alone in your room. You're missing Yerushalayim. You're missing the Shechina. You're an Almana. Don't get stuck on that page. Don't get stuck in Golos, because as all the all of us know that if you turn the page as you see me turning, Hashiveinu, the last Pasuk. Hashiveinu Hashem Elecha. Benashuvah, Chadish Yemeinu Kekedem. Kodesh Baruch Hu, bring us back 
Bring us back the old days. Turn back the pages. Bring us Mashiach. We in Gullus are going through such a, such a hard time. Don't get stuck on the page, everybody. It's a very hard time. It seems like Vayishkachehu. It seems like that last word in Pasha's Vayeshev. Turn the page. There will be a Mikates. There will be an end to this Gullus. We will sit by the king like Yosef HaTzadik did. We will make a Kiddush Hashem for the rest of the world. Don't get stuck on the page of Gullus. Daven to Hashem. Do Avas Chinam. Somebody told me, I don't know if the story is true or not. I can't tell you if the story is true or not. But someone told me today that Shlomo Kalbach, you know, Shlomo Kalbach passed away, he had a heart attack on a plane. I think he was going to Toronto, coming back from Toronto, whatever it is. And then a man came to the Shiva. He was sitting Shiva, I guess his daughters. And they didn't know who he was. And he said, you don't even know who I am, but I'm going to tell you why I'm here. This person who told me today said, there's Adis on this, and this is a true story. I don't know, I wasn't there. So Shlomo Kalbach used to take numbers of people, like he would go to a restaurant, he says, give me your number, I'll call you one day, I'll give you chizik, whatever it is. He used to take numbers of people. So he was in the airport, and he was there early, and in those days there were quarters at the telephones. And he had met some man in a restaurant, whatever it was, and he had a whole list of papers. He did have a whole list of papers that had phone numbers on it. So he called this guy up, Nachman. Nachman at Shleimala. My holy brother, how are you today? He says, why are you calling me? He says, remember we're in the restaurant together? He says, yeah, yeah, you're Shlomo Kalba. He says, yeah. He says, you're my holy brother. I just want to know if you're good, if you're okay. He says, yeah, I'm okay, I'm fine. Thank you so much for calling. He got on the plane, he died that, on, on that flight or on the flight coming home. So why did this guy come to Ben Achamavo? So he told the daughters, this is what I was told, I want you to know that when your father called me, I had a noose around my neck. I was about to kick the chair off. And this angel calls me for no reason, and I realize it's not my time to go. He says, that's why I'm coming here tonight. That was the last phone call, supposedly, that he made. I don't, again, I was told this today from someone who said, Mamish Adis, you don't know when you say hello to someone or how are you, where that person's at. So when the guy comes collecting tomorrow, asking for the name of his wife or his kid, whoever's sick, whoever needs Shiduchim, find out the name. Maybe go to a restaurant that you know, give them $100, and tell them every once in a while I'm going to send someone in here, I'll write a little card to you, a little note, because all these collectors, they don't have a place to eat, whatever it is, and get a little pay. go there, go to Garden of Eden, wherever it is, go wherever you want. Here's twenty dollars. Just, just show people that you care about them. Ask, you know, ask the question. Ask the question. Last night, a bunch of boys asked me I was going to speak in Woodburn, in a camp, and a bunch of guys asked me for a ride. And they got into the car. I said, "Guys, you have money?" They were like, "Very." They didn't look like they were. I said, "You have money? You going? You want? You want? You want to get some pizza or something? You guys are hungry? Whatever." No, right, right. Well, Steve, you know who you are. Yeah, we just ate. We just ate. So I'm sure. Like so one kid said, "You know." No one ever asked us. We hitched a lot the whole summer. Nobody asked us if we're hungry. Nobody asked us, do we have a place for Shabbos? Even if they don't need it, they don't need the place. Just that you ask me means I exist. You don't know everyone in this room how many people feel they're invisible. They don't exist. They come from Eretz Yisrael. They come in collecting. You, we don't even ask them who they are, what they are. When was the last time someone benched Goimel in Shul and you ask them, did you come back, you just got back from Eretz Yisrael, or did you have an accident, did something happen? Bench Goyim, well, next one, Bench Goyim, well, next one, Bench Do you have a place to eat tonight? Do you have a place for Shabbos? He bench Goyim, well, he's a stranger, right? He be- Why did you bench Goyim, well, you know, what's going on? we like, we know Maduas, we don't ask Madua. we just like, woo, everything goes right by. This is what we need to fix. We need to have Avas Chinam, for no, no reason. The ladies that sit outside Landau's, I've asked them many times, you want a coffee? Right? Because I'm into this now since I'm giving myself Musser. But you know how many times I say yes? 
A lot of times they say yes, especially early in the morning. Oh, that would be so nice. There's a person there. I know there's a cup, and I always say this. There's a cup, and we put quarters in the cup. Remember, everyone, that the cup's connected to a hand, and the hand's connected to a person. So don't pay so much attention to the cup and your quarter. Pay attention to the person who's holding the cup. And if we do that, guaranteed, Hashiveno Hashem Elechem and Eshuva, Chadeshimeno Kikedem. Thank you. Shame agents you retire most of Boston, like you will be Yashakayach, to Rabbi Wallstein for the inspiring Drosha. Rabbi say you've seen these around the shul, the nice pictures of the Rabbonim, Roshi Yeshivas, who will be speaking at the dinner, please. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, please don't forget, though, to turn the page. When you, to turn the page, as Rebalsi said, on the other side, you'll see the dedication opportunities and the uh, sponsorship opportunities for Shurim and for the dinner to help Yigashiri Taira with our Batas Taira throughout the year worldwide. To have this great schuss call Yigashiri Taira at 718-851-8651 or email tape center, tape center at yeshivanet.com. We'd like to bring a shakar to the Wolf family for sponsoring tonight's Shiri Lilinishmas Aviyam, Rabosha Zelig, Bera Avigda, Olavash Shalom, Ziyotzai's tonight, all of them. Shakar to everyone for coming. CDs of tonight's Shiri will be available shortly. Rukhananya Benakashim, Rotsakalish Boruch, Lazaka, Sesisur, Lavigar, Hibbulam, Tayyam, Mitzvah, Shanema, Adonai Chofes, Aman Sitka, Yagdul, Tayyam, Yadir. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.